This has come to the table. Bible studies from the New Testament Christian Church of Cheyenne. These studies are presented every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at our church at 3800 East Pershing Boulevard in Cheyenne, Wyoming. If you'd like to contribute to these studies, you can make a donation at www.myntcc.org backslash Cheyenne WY dash giving. We're in Matthew chapter 6. And it's pretty cool, I think, the way that Jesus' Sermon on the Mount kind of breaks up into different types of teachings. We went through the Beatitudes, the first 12 verses of chapter 5, and we moved on to a series of statements about, well, a teaching about salt and light, and then uh, a series of statements about, you have heard that it was said, but I say unto you, and where he kind of tightens up the... Um, tightens the belt, you could say, he tightens the belt on, on righteousness and, and, and as far as revealing what righteousness really is. Because there were things that people did in the Old Testament according to the law that weren't necessarily, they were according to the law, but they weren't exactly good. They weren't the higher road. They weren't the more moral path. But it was what they had and we're not finding fault with that, but Jesus revealed a better way and a straighter way. And that really is kind of the contrast that we find a lot of times between the law of Moses versus this age of grace that we live in, where our sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And trust me, when we get into a study of the book of Hebrews, this is, that's going to come up over and over again. The betterness of the new covenant that we live in. The betterness of this covenant versus the old covenant, which was under the law and you know, the blood of bulls and of goats and of whatever uh, animal sacrifices that they have. But Jesus was bringing that up and then he moves on to these other teachings about um, oaths and revenge and going the extra mile and loving your enemy. And then in chapter 6, what we got into last week was a series of teachings on the subject of what's called eye service. Uh, eye service, trying to impress people by um, a cultivated image of righteousness that isn't necessarily backed up by a righteous heart. Hypocrisy, basically. You could put that under the, the label of hypocrisy. And we talked about this in uh, the first four verses of chapter 6. He talked about uh, eye service under the heading of alms and other good deeds. And we talked about that. We talked about carnal and faithless prayer from verse 5 down through about verse 15 and that's where we reviewed the Lord's Prayer and I want to go over that one more time before we move on to the next part uh, of eye service where he talks about fasting okay so let's begin in verse 9 after this manner therefore this is Jesus speaking after this manner therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, 
neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now, that's a very clear teaching. We talked about how this particular prayer, what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer, is not a magical incantation. It's not like waving your hands over something and reciting some Latin and poof, it turns into something else. We are a Christian church. We do not believe in transubstantiation. So it, it's not, a, it's not an, a magical incantation or an invocational, I shall invoke the Lord's Prayer, you know, and that has the power to cast out demons. No, it doesn't. It's a prayer. It's a prayer. What is prayer? But it's a two-way, it's ideally a two-way communion with God. And a lot of times it feels like a one-way communion, but that's because we've got the, the volume on the world turned up so high that we can't hear the Lord's voice. And it requires turning that volume down. Because the Bible tells us that His is a still and a small voice, and it's very easy to drown it out with distractions. It's very easy to, to override it with other interests, or when we have our hearts set on doing something that is contrary to the will of God or to the Word of God, those two go hand in hand. God never wills anything in our life that is against His Word. Amen? And the Spirit of God never never leads us into something that goes against His Word either. You can bank on that. You can build that into your life. You can trust it. But this is a model. It's a model of how we should pray. Not word for word, again, but it's a model. And we talked about this a little bit last week. I'll try to, I'll try to keep it short so we can move on to the new stuff. But he says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. So right off the bat, you're identifying with him as family. You're not thinking of him as a judge with a hammer ready to drop it down on your head. We really don't believe in that kind of a God. Now, yes, there's a day, there's a day of judgment coming. Yes, we understand that. We understand that from elsewhere here in the same Gospel of Matthew that we're in. And yes, there's a, a, a great and a terrible day of the Lord that's coming. And all of those tie into end times events and things that are have yet to transpire we're not going down that rabbit hole tonight okay we're really it's important to know and it's good to know but we, we really want to know how to live right now because if you live for god right now you don't have to worry about how all of that's going to transpire because he's got all of that covered now that's not to completely dismiss it either it's there for a reason it's there for our knowledge and our edification and also to keep us from being led away from you know led away from the truth by wackadoodle doctrines and things like that that don't line up with the truth. So it helps us to guard our hearts. But it, it starts off right off the bat. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. An expression that we desire that God's will in the world come to pass. We're aligning our will with His rather than fighting it. And that's what makes a lot of Christians, even Christians, absolutely miserable is when they set their mind on a certain course of action. They know it's not God's will, but they just force it anyway. You know what I'm talking about? I just want this so badly that I'm willing to pay absolutely any price, even, that, even my relationship with God. Let me give you a word of advice on that, even though you didn't ask. I've made that mistake before. Many years ago, I forced God's hand and he gave me what I wanted. Man, did I pay for it. And I don't ever want to make that mistake again. So sometimes you learn things the hard way. 
But the good news is, even if you learn things the hard way all the time, at least you still learn. Amen. There's a secular proverb um, that's been around for ages. It goes something like this, you know. Experience is the best teacher, but a fool will learn no other way. I don't believe in that. Because a fool doesn't learn at all. That's what makes them a fool. So if you're the type of person that never gets it through your head unless you get hit over the head with it like a two-by-four, take heart. At least you learn. You are not a fool. But it's so much better to learn from someone else's experience. Learn from other people's experience. Anyway, let's move on. There's a lot to that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Well, how is it that God's will gets done in earth? How is it that God's will is performed in the earth as it's performed in heaven? Well, through the cooperation of this human agents, you and me. When we align ourselves with the will of God and we want to be what God wants us to be and we want to submit ourselves to Him and let Him accomplish His perfect work in our lives, someone recently told me, oh, well, you know, Christians aren't perfect. Nobody's perfect. I, I get that. I know that. Because I'm one of those that's not perfect. And I'm acutely aware of my own shortcomings and my own failings. But as believers, we don't uh, allow that to become a, a stamp of approval and justification on those theories in which we fall short. Because once we start doing that, then we stop growing. In that moment, we stop growing, we stagnate, and then we're not making progress in our relationship with God. We've just become another self-justifying person with no interest in being better than we were yesterday or the year before or what have you. So, well, yes, it's, it's true. None of us are perfect. And I frankly don't have an expectation. I don't have an expectation that everyone that comes to this church should be utterly without flaw. But we have the example of the Apostle Paul who said, nevertheless, this, or in so many words, excuse me, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward unto those things which are before, he said, I press on, I press forward, I reach toward the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus. And that's what every single one of us ought to be. We ought to be striving. Do we fall short sometimes? Absolutely we do. But do we justify it in our lives? No, we don't. We pray, we make it right if we have something to make right, or we just try hard. One of the worst mistakes that a Christian can make in a church community is gauging their level of righteousness by the righteousness of those or the perceived righteousness of those around them. Don't make that mistake. Don't make that mistake. Oh, well, I'm, I'm a good Christian because I'm a whole lot better than brother so-and-so. Whoa, no, 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 no. That's not the right attitude to have. That's not the right attitude to have. Likewise, I'm not, a good, I'm not as good a Christian as, as brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so because they're just way, they're miles above me in this thing. No, no, no. Because then you get to feeling guilty and bad and the devil comes in and starts knocking you on the head and making you feel lousy. That's not the standard that we should be gauging ourselves off of. The standard we should be gauging ourselves off of is where do I line up with the Word? Where do I, and better than that, where do I line up with Jesus? Because He was our walking, living, breathing, human 
very human yet completely divine example, isn't he? So don't compare yourselves to one another. Compare yourselves to Christ. And then that's the real kind of inspiration that we want to have. So he says, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I guess we're going to spend more than a couple minutes on this. Give us this day our daily bread. This is the petition for that which will sustain us on a day-to-day -day basis. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And that really kind of brings it home there. Rubber meets the road. If we're not forgiving, then we won't be forgiven. It's as simple as that. If we are not willing to overlook, and I don't mean just pass it off like it never happened, okay? I'm not talking about that, and, and we talked about this extensively last week. This doesn't mean that you just let yourself be a doormat for anybody that tries to, to stomp on you, okay? But he does make forgiveness conditional in this prayer. If we are not forgiving of others, then we have no reason to expect that God will forgive us. But if we are forgiving of others the things that they do, and again, that doesn't mean that we just leave the door open for them to keep doing things to us. You know, you can protect yourself. You can close the door. You can tell someone no and still be very much a saved human being. Okay? It all depends on how you do it and your attitude and your spirit and all that. But we have to be forgiving if we would be forgiven. For thine, oh wait, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Verse 13. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The acknowledgement that everything belongs to God. The kingdom that we hope one day to inhabit. The power that God exercises in our life. And the glory that shines out from us. Not because it's ours, but because we, like the moon, I think we talked about this last week. The moon has no light of its own. It has no luminosity of its own. It just reflects what the sun shines on it. Isn't that right? And so we are very much the same way. When we keep our face turned toward God, we keep our face turned toward God and our eyes beholding the sun. We keep our eyes on the prize as the old civil rights song went. And I think that song may have even predated that. It might have been an old, spir uh, an old uh, spiritual. But we keep our eyes on God and our face toward God. We reflect His glory. We reflect His glory, and other people will see it. And if you've ever walked now, it's hard to do it in any kind of a city where there's, a significant, where there's significant light pollution. But if you've ever been out in the middle of nowhere, which isn't hard to do here, you know, on a night where there's nothing out but, a, but there's a full moon, no clouds, you can see very well. Not as well as the day, but you can absolutely see where you're going. It will cast shadows. It will cause trees to cast shadows. And so the light that we reflect from our Father's face by living an upright Christian life is a light that other people can see and can even navigate a little bit by. Amen? That really brings it home. And if it seems like I'm laying a lot of pressure on people, okay, to be better, be better, be better, it's because we're called to it, aren't we? Didn't he call us out of darkness? And did we not come to him to be forgiven of our sins and, and brought up out of our sins? We didn't come to him looking to get a license to continue in them. We wanted out, didn't we? We wanted out of that. We wanted out of the old life. We wanted out of the old associations that kept dragging us down like crabs in the bucket. 
We wanted away from a lot of those people. We wanted away from that influence, certainly. We wanted out. So is it so bad? Is it so wrong for us in our teaching and preaching of the Word of God? Is it such, is it such a missing of the mark for us to share the expectations that God has with us? Well, who should I be comparing myself then to? Because sometimes it's hard to compare yourself to Jesus, right? Jesus isn't walking around on the earth. We have his example from the gospel. You know, it's not like you can just go to, you know, go get some coffee down at the Paramount with him and have a talk. Hey, what do you think I should do about this situation? You kind of can, but people will think you're crazy because you'll be sitting there talking out loud by yourself. But... Then again, they might just think you're one of the natives. I don't know. We've got a few of those around here. Well, who do I compare myself then? You compare yourself with who you were last week. Compare yourself to who you were a year ago, five years ago. Okay? If you're trying to gauge your progress in God, compare yourself to what you used to be. Compare yourself to Jesus. Yes, that'll show you where you need to get to. Okay? Where we all need to get to. But... If that's so, don't let that discourage you, though, to, to encourage yourself. You know, re, just compare yourself to where you used to be. And, you, and then you can be like so many of us have, many, have said many times, you know, I may not be absolutely everything God wants me to be yet, but I'm not what I was five years ago, ten years ago, or even a year ago. And that'll help, that'll help silence the accusations of the enemy when he tries to bring you under condemnation. You understand what I'm saying? Let's go ahead and move on. Being forgiving. Verse 16. We're still talking about eye service. All of this stemmed from carnal prayers and faithless prayers and people just trying to give a show and impress other people with their spirituality. But here he talks now about fasting. Verse 16. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now let's stop right there. Let's look at the negative example that he gives us here to avoid. Let's not be like these guys. He says, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear, un that they may appear unto men to fast. Well, this is pretty self-explanatory. Now fasting isn't something that I really talk a whole lot about, because uh, like a lot of things from Scripture, it's, it's got its place in a believer's life but it also gets exaggerated sometimes. Fasting, and this is as good a time as any to go ahead and teach on this. Fasting is good to do, especially if you are really just struggling, trying to overcome something in your life, some matter of the flesh or some kind of a temptation or whatever the case may be, some kind of a battle. Fasting can be a very good thing to do, okay? But we need to understand what fasting is not, just as importantly as we, can, as we need to understand what it is. What it is, is a way to bring the flesh under subjection really fast. Okay? Because you deny it food, and it will start to listen to the heart and to the head. It will howl and it will scream, alright, like any whipped dog, alright, it'll do that, alright? But then it will, it will, before long, 
it will quit and it will give in and it will say, okay, whatever you say. That's, that's a very good way of bringing the flesh under subjection if you're facing something in your life and you're just not getting the victory over it. What it is not is a source of power. i got to be very careful about this. Now, this may rub some Pentecostals wrong, okay, but just hold on, all right? You say, well, I fasted. I'm fasting and praying. I'm fasting and praying. I'm close to God. You may be. You may be. I'm fasting and praying. I got power. Your fasting and praying has nothing to do with power, okay? Because if you have the Holy Ghost in your life, you can't get any more power than that. There is no greater power than having the Holy Ghost living in you. And that's why it is so critically important for a born-again believer to seek and receive the Holy Ghost. And that is a very Pentecostal experience, although Pentecostal denominations do not have the market cornered on that. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you know getting some looks like, what are you talking about, preacher? Well, hold on. If you got the Holy Ghost, you have power. You have power. You just need to exercise it like anything else. Just as when you were first born again, you first believed in God, God planted the seed of every single virtue inside of you. But if you're going to have and exercise those virtues in your life, you have to cultivate them and you have to practice them. Well, if you have sought and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then you have power. That power is in you. Power to live above sin. Power to resist temptation. Power to live above your uh, demons. And I use that phrase very loosely. I use that in the very, uh, very loose, common, poetic sense that many people do. The battles that you face is what it means. Your power to live above those things. Power to live above your past. Power comes from the Holy Ghost living in you. And that's why Jesus told his disciples before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples to tarry in Jerusalem. Until you be endued or imbued with power from on high. Because he knew they were facing things. The church was going to face things that in order to survive them, and not only survive, but to grow and to prosper, they were going to need that power. And all of that by prophecy. The prophet Joel prophesied of it. And many others in times past. So, so well, well, I prayed for salvation and I got the Holy Ghost then. You might have. Because it can happen that way. Sometimes it can happen that way. They are two distinct events, but they can happen back to back. Now, me, it, with me, it happened, I think, about a month apart after I got saved. With my wife, it was over a year. She'd been saved for a year before she experienced the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So it, all, it varies. It depends on the person. It really does. So, well, all right, well, I'm a Christian and I haven't experienced that. What does that mean? What that means is, is that you just haven't experienced that yet. One, you may not have known about it. Two, you may not have been open to it. Three, you may not have been ready. Who's to say? I'm not going to pretend to have all those answers, but I will tell you this. If you are open to the Holy Spirit, He will come. And I encourage anyone here that has not experienced that to begin seeking the Holy Ghost now, tonight, we got a prayer meeting actually after our Bible study tonight. We're going to take a break for about five minutes and chat a little bit, and then we're going to pray for about 15 minutes. We talked about doing that, and we're going to be doing that every Tuesday, Thursday, and well, and Mondays. We have our scheduled prayer meetings anyway, but every Tuesday and Thursday after the Bible study and service, we're going to be uh, taking about 15 minutes to pray after a short break after the service. 
Because why? Because we want to be the family that prays together, don't we? We want to uphold one another in prayer. People are facing things. And people are always facing things. I understand that. But sometimes more than at other times. Other times less than at other times. And I love every single one of you. I pray for you. And I know that, you know, oh, I hope that some of you are praying for me. I know that a couple of you, at least a couple of folks are. So hopefully everybody else is. You pray for me. I pray for you. We all pray for one another and we grow stronger. But let's move on. Sorry, I'm rabbit trailing. When you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. If you're going to fast, go for it, okay? Make sure you have a reason to do it. You might just be trying to get close to God. You might just want to be feeling closer to God. There's nothing wrong with fasting for that reason, okay? I encourage it if you're in a place where you can, but there's a right way to do it, and there's a lot of wrong ways to do it. You don't just slam yourself. You don't just pop the clutch, so to speak, and jump right into a full fast because that's very hard on your guts. And you don't come out of a fast the same, that same, that same way because that can really rack your guts too. You go on to it gradually and you come off of it gradually. All right, you move you go, your first day of your fast, you go to, I think, soft foods and liquids, and then your second day of your fast is just liquids, and then you go on to water. And you never, ever stop drinking water while you're fasting. Don't do that to yourself. You make yourself sick, you make yourself weak. You're going to be weak enough anyway if you're depriving yourself of food. So if you're going to fast for any reason at all, just be careful how you do it. And do it for the right reasons. And this is what we're going to get to next right here, what Jesus says. So don't be like the hypocrites that do it to be seen of other people. Look at me, I'm fasting. I'm so spiritual and afflicted. I'm so close to God. Oh. You know, is it really about that? Man, is it about that? Is it about trying to impress everybody else? Anything at all that we do for God, is it about trying to impress people? It's never about that. It's never about that at all. But he says, Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, which like all these other things on the subject of eye service, he talks about. When we give to be seen of people, we have our reward. We've been seen. When we fast to be seen by other people, we have our reward. But he says, But thou... When thou fastest, verse 17, anoint thine head and wash thy face. In other words, take a bath, take a shower, wash your face, get a shave. Don't start growing a depression beard, okay? You know, I like beards, but you know what I'm talking about. Or the midlife crisis beard, that's another kind of beard. Wash your face, get a bath, do your laundry. We're not, we're not in the Old Testament. We're not, we're not rending our clothes and putting on sackcloth, sackcloth and, and pouring dust on our head to appear as though we are mourning. We're not living in those days. He says here, anoint thine head, wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. It's the same teaching as with, as with prayer. But unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. When we do our devotions, it's not about sounding a trumpet and just looking the part. Looking the part Christianity is not Christianity. It's vain religion. It's not the real deal. It's empty. It's, fake. it's the fake stuff that 
everybody can see through, or that many people can see through. Some people are really good putting on an act and talking a good show. Others not so much. But it's that, it's that very kind of hypocrisy that just makes the church stink in the nostrils of others. Do you know what I mean? And it, and it gives the world occasion to just find fault. To find fault with, with the, the program of God, with any good thing that God's trying to do in people's lives. And we all get written off as hypocrites. Let's just be real and sincere. And, I, and to be honest, I haven't really seen, I don't think I've seen that in our church. And, and maybe this is a chance for us to pat ourselves on the back a little bit, but not get proud. I really have just not detected that spirit around here. We seem to be a bit better grounded than that. And that's a real testimony to the sincerity of individual hearts. And that's what we want. And that's what it's all about. Not thinking of ourselves as lowly pigs and disgusting creatures because God has elevated us up out of that. But neither thinking of ourselves higher, as he tells us over in Romans, not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. Real humility is just having a healthy, realistic assessment of oneself. Is that the right word I'm looking for? I think so. It's not thinking of yourself too highly, but neither is it thinking of yourself too lowly. It's just a case of, you know what I am by, what I am by the grace of God, and I'm okay with that. Now, how can I be better? And then we get our heads back in the Word of God, and we, get, we draw closer to God in prayer and things like that. So, here he says, Anoint thine head, wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast. Well, isn't that making a lie? Aren't I trying to fool people into thinking that I'm doing something that I'm not or that I'm not doing something that I am? Well, that all depends on the motive of the heart. Jesus is trying to get us to avoid this particular trap of religious pride. And what business is it of anybody else's if we're fasting or not? That is a very personal thing between a man or a woman and their Father who is in heaven. And that's why Jesus tells us, when we pray, go into your closet, shut the door, don't put on a big show. When you fast, don't make yourself to look like you're fasting. You know, some people that are in a battle, they really try hard to put on that battle face, you know, to try to um, elicit sympathy. Some people are like that. Not everybody, not by, not by a long shot, but some people are like that. It's just, you know, it's a holdover from the old life. Let's be more mature than that. Let's be more mature than that and do our devotions as unto our God. So chapter 6, all the way from verse 1 to verse 15, his teachings on eye service, okay? When we give alms, when we pay tithes, or when we do any good deed at all, let it be as unto God, not trying to impress others. When we pray, whether it's in public or whether it's in private or whatever, let it be as unto God and not with a heart that's trying to impress others. And when we fast, let us be exactly the same way, not trying to impress others, but all of these things, whether it's giving, whether it's doing good works, whether it's service in the house of God, whether it's prayer for ourselves or for anyone or for anything at all, whether it's fasting to draw closer to God or to overcome a challenge or whatever it might be, let us do everything that we do with the spirit of humility, with the spirit of love and of sweetness, and with the intent to be edified and to glorify our Father who is in heaven. Amen? Amen. That's the right way to do anything for God.
So let's go ahead and bring it to a close. Thank you for listening to Come to the Table, Bible studies from the New Testament Christian Church of Cheyenne. Included in these presentations are red-letter studies on the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ, historical studies on the Old Testament, topical studies on biblical doctrines, and practical studies on Christian life. If you enjoyed this presentation, you can support our efforts by contributing at www.myntcc.org backslash Cheyenne WY giving.